We're going to uh, turn our attention, though, towards our education system and with schools going back next week. I want to welcome into studio school teacher, author, commentator, Michael Zweigstra. It's good to see you. Well, it's good to see you, Jeff. Glad to be with you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. You just finished writing uh, a paper for the Frontier Center. And uh, the paper is called, and by the way, Michael's book, which he co-authored, is called What's Wrong with Our Schools and How We Can Fix Them. But the new paper on the Frontier Center website uh, has to do with what you call content knowledge and why you think we've, to some extent at least, abandoned content knowledge. So I want to give you a couple of minutes to talk about what content knowledge is and why you think it's important. Well, thank you, Jeff. Uh, Content knowledge, simply put, refers to specific facts and skills and things that we expect students to know. So, for example... Two two plus two is four. That that, that would be an example. Any specific fact that you would have in your brain that you would memorize could be described as content knowledge. And so you you look at a subject like history, that would include things like names, dates, events, places. Uh, In math, it would be your multiplication times tables, knowing how to do the standard algorithms for adding, subtracting, multiplying, and dividing. Uh, In a subject like science, it would be uh, specific scientific laws and processes and having a certain amount in your brain memorized so that you can work with uh, uh, with the concepts that you're being right. presented. So you, know, you memorize the periodic tables or something, which most of us don't, of course, but, <laughs> but, if, you, but if you do, that's content knowledge. That would be content knowledge. Any, yes. Anything that you know that is a fact is content knowledge. Correct. Okay. Are we not teaching people to to know things anymore? Well, there's a shift that's been going on in the school system, and uh, it goes under it goes under many different names, but it's often referred to as the 21st century skills uh, movement. And basically, what the 21st century skills movement says is that. Because the world is changing so quickly and because we have the Internet and because we can look things up in Google, it's not really as important for students to memorize facts since they become outdated and there's just simply too much to know. And so the argument from that movement is that instead of teaching students memorizing facts, rather we need to teach them how to look things up. We need to teach them how to learn. Uh, we need to teach them the C's, the, the ideas of critical thinking, creativity, collaboration, and those are put in juxtaposition or in, in contrast with content knowledge. So it's a, rather than as well as it's, it has become instead of? Well, it certainly has moved in that direction. Now, obviously, advocates of the 21st century learning movement will push back and say, oh, no, no, of course we, we believe that you have to know some things. But if you read their documents and you read what, uh, what various school divisions and provincial governments have put out, it's them that are juxtapositioning it. And so uh, that is something which is happening. I'm just going to quote briefly the British Columbia government is one of the governments that's moved the fastest in this direction in the last couple of years. And on their website, their education website, they say the following. The deep understanding and application of knowledge is at the center of the new model as opposed to the memory and recall of facts that previously shaped education around the globe for many decades. So that's an example of how it's put in opposition to, in contrast with, that instead of having students memorize things that are just going to go out of date, rather we can teach them how to look it up because it's more important they learn how to learn rather than have having facts in their brain. Okay, so what's wrong with that? Well, what's wrong with that is that you actually can't learn very much if you don't have a lot of facts in your brain. Content knowledge is the key to learning. And in the report, I point out three specific reasons why content knowledge is really important. Uh, one of the first is that content knowledge is needed for reading comprehension. In other words, understanding what you read. 
You cannot understand what you read if you don't know something about the subject of what you're reading. Well, if you don't understand what the words mean. Well, and even more I mean, than you that. Have to, you have to memorize the meaning of words. You do. And you also have to know something about the subject of what you're reading. And so, for example, if you're reading an article about something you know nothing about. So, for example, I don't know a lot about engineering. That's not my field of study. Right. If you were to hand me an article in engineering and ask me to analyze it, I would find it very difficult to understand what I'm reading because I don't have the background knowledge the content that I need in order to understand it. And so content knowledge is the key to reading comprehension. It's not just about decoding words. That debate has been had, and the evidence is clear that phonics is better than whole language. But that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about the more knowledge you have in your brain, the more likely it is that you're able to understand what you're reading. And that means having a certain amount memorized without having to just look up every other word of what you're reading in an article. But wouldn't wouldn't the counter-argument be, or the argument on behalf of the, the 21st century folks, say, well, all right, uh, Australia, if you don't know anything about engineering, you don't need to because you can look up the meaning of what you're reading, this article on engineering, so that you will know. Well, it would, it would take me an awful long time to look up enough in order to understand that article that's sitting in front of me. What, what right. that means is that I'm not going to bother reading the article. Now, take a newspaper article about the, uh, some of the things happening in Canadian politics. If you don't know my, by memory what the different political parties are, who the leaders are, what Parliament is, the House of Commons, the Senate, if you don't know any of those things by memory, you just won't bother reading the article because it takes a while to learn the content, and that's the point. Is that why we struggle so so much with, with, with sort of reasoned, balanced political discourses that, that Canadians generally don't know very much about civics and, and how their own system of government works? Well, it's something that factors in. And uh, so, like, a secondary point here is that content knowledge is needed in order for critical thinking to happen. I mean, one of the arguments of the 21st century folks is that we need to teach critical thinking skills. And they present it as this, as this generic process of learning that you can simply transfer to whatever the subject matter happens to be. That is not true. The research evidence is quite clear that you that the more knowledge you have about a particular topic, the more likely you can think critically about it. So consider the debate that's been happening recently about uh, renaming schools that are named after John and McDonald. I totally disagree with that. I think that is wrong. But in order to even have that debate, you need to know some facts about John and McDonald. You need to know that he was the first prime minister of Canada. You need to know a little bit about the political situation in mid-19th century Canada. You need to know his accomplishments. You need to know his flaws. You need to have all those facts in your brain if you're going to have any possibility of having a reasoned discussion on that topic. Right. And, and sadly, a lot, of, all, a lot of Canadians know about him. Was that, yeah, he was our first prime minister and he drank. And that's unfortunate. And that, because and that's, not, that's not enough to have a, a critically thought out conversation about him. It's not. And I will say, knowing a lot about something does not guarantee you're going to think critically, because that's one of the arguments that the other side will make, is that it is possible to know a lot about something and still um, not think about it critically and still be brainwashed and all of that. But it is necessary to know something about the topic in order to think critically. Ignorant people don't ever think critically about a subject. We're going to come back and talk more to Michael Zweigstra about content knowledge and the other reasons he thinks it is important and that we may be at our peril leaving it behind in our school system. We'll be right back. Jeff Courier is on 680 CJOB. 
But talking education uh, right now, though, teacher Michael Zwagstra, author, and uh, has just produced a paper for the Frontier Center about content knowledge and its importance and why he thinks we've shifted away from it in our school systems, not just here in Manitoba, but around the country. All right, you talked about one of the one of the main points that you wanted to make, Michael. What are some of the other arguments in favor of us as as like the bad the connotation became well you're just regurgitating facts what's wrong with being able to regurgitate some facts well there's nothing wrong with regurgitating facts because it's those facts in your brain the more that you have the literally the more room your brain has in which to move and so there's a difference between your 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 short your short term or working memory and your long term memory and the more that you have in your long term memory the more it frees up uh, room in your working memory and so for example example, in something like math, if you have your multiplication times tables memorized and really, truly memorized, you will find it much easier when you're doing an algebra problem in higher grades because you're not having to constantly go to your calculator and try to figure out something simple because it, when you have it memorized, it frees up space in your brain that you don't have to worry about the simpler thing and you can now go on to the more complex thing. And so when we talk critical thinking, we, everyone wants students to be critical thinkers. I do as well. But if we want them to be critical thinkers, we need to make sure that they know as much as possible. And this means lots of facts, a certain amount of memorization, and the more background knowledge you have, the more likely it is you can think critically. And it really frustrates me when so many jurisdictions are putting it, these things in contrast. And so, for example, in Alberta School Division, on their website, they say that their focus on competencies is less about knowing something and more about knowing how and where to access the needed information. That is dead wrong. It's not enough to know how to look something up. We know that there's lots of information on the Internet. There's a lot of good information and a lot of bad information. Are you going to be able to filter through the bad information on the Internet if you know virtually nothing about the topic that you're looking up? Right. You're, going to have, you're going to find that difficult. You're going, to, you're going to be led on rabbit trails, and you're eventually, you may eventually just give up. But the more you know in your brain, the more you're going to be able to look up. And so really, one, one of the research studies I cited shows that you take two groups of people on a subject matter, novices and experts, and you give them both the opportunity to look information up. Who benefits more from looking it up? The experts, actually, because they know what to look for and how to look for it. And so if we want to teach students how to access information, first and foremost, they need to be taught lots and lots of information. And so, yes, the teacher should be a source of information, passing on specific knowledge and skills to students. That old saying in education faculties that a teacher should be a guide in the side rather than a sage in the stage is completely bogus. That is simply not true. The reality is, is that Teachers should be experts in whatever subject they're teaching at any particular point because they should be able to pass on this important knowledge to students. Is there a typical age when we become capable of being taught critical thought? At what point do our brains develop where you can start say, teaching people to think critically? Well, I think that there can be some critical thought at almost any age level, but obviously the older you are and more critically, the more you know about a subject, the more likely it is you're going to be able to do that critical thought. So I teach high school and I teach history courses. So, for example, Canadian history, American history, and I'm amazed at the difference in critical thought between the beginning of the course where students know almost nothing about the subject and about a month or two in, once they know some stuff, then 
then we get into the real discussions because now they have some context. And so, for example, I teach an optional American history course, and it's amazing the discussions that we have about current events once students know about the history of the Civil War and the key people involved in that and the reasons behind it. All of a sudden, those controversies in the United States make a whole lot more sense because you know something about the background. Right. If if you start talking about the Civil War and you and you think that it was just about slavery, exactly, and you find out that the origins were really about states' rights, exactly, yep, uh, and that it kind of as the war went on, kind of morphed into this thing about slavery, or that the, it was kind of a side issue at the start, really, yep. it it may change the way you think about that war. Yep, it does, right. and because there is a there's it's very complicated, right. and it's true there were a lot of factors that uh, that led to that war, and uh, and it wasn't all just about slavery. I mean, it, as you said, it did morph into that right. becoming the primary issue. But you know, Abraham Lincoln was uh, uh, he didn't like slavery, but he was willing initially to allow it to exist in the southern states for the sake of keeping the union together. Right. I mean, knowing stuff like that, knowing those facts helps give you a more balanced understanding of things that are happening. The more you know, the more more you're able to learn. All right. So what give me the your final your final thrust here. Well, a third key thing is that the students who benefit the most from content knowledge in schools are students from poor and disadvantaged backgrounds. And that's because and the evidence is very clear on this. There's virtually no dispute that students from poor homes uh, tend to come to school with less backward knowledge and fewer skills than students for, for more affluent homes. And that's because, of course, their parents aren't likely to be taking them on a lot of trips and educational excursions and hiring tutors. Mm-hmm. And so when you have students coming to school with limited background knowledge, if the schools don't provide that to them in a direct, focused way, those students are going to fall further behind. Because remember, was a, what I noted before, that backward knowledge is the key to reading comprehension. You need to know things in order to be able to read. And so if they don't know a lot of things, and if schools don't pass that knowledge on to them, they struggle in their reading. And then they they fall behind, and then they fall further behind. And so for anyone out there who whose primary focus are poor and disadvantaged students, you know, if you're, for example, on, let's say, the left of the political spectrum, you should be some, one of the strongest supporters of what I'm saying here. This is not a left or right issue. Right. This is simply about good education policy. If we want to benefit students from poor backgrounds, we should be having a strong focus on content knowledge for everyone. Right, and, and demand that they learn those things. Then. Absolutely, and, and, and that means starting at grade one, starting in a focused way, having substantial content knowledge in a focused, direct instruction way. Because direct instruction, where the teacher directly passes on knowledge to students and has them practice and, yes, drills them, it's, it's not drill and kill, it's drill leads to skill. And so, and I'm not saying that you should, this is all you should be doing. Of course, there's opportunities to do some other things. And I, my classroom is, and I'm not just standing in front talking the whole time and just handing out information. And in 1066... <laughs> But that is a component of what I do because you need to have this knowledge and learning is hard work. It doesn't just come automatically. When you're learning something that does not come naturally to you, you have to focus. And that does mean a certain amount of memorization and practice. And and so for the kids who come into your courses, the history courses, who happen to be really good in the maths or sciences, but who may struggle with history, um, you still have to try to make sure that they memorize some of those things. Absolutely. In fact, those are the students who need the strongest emphasis on memorizing those things because if they're 
they're coming in and they're struggling with it, that means they likely don't have much background knowledge and they need a whole lot more in order to be able to do well in the course. How do you counter the argument, Michael, that, uh, that students have given you for your entire career, and we all gave our teachers, I'm never going to use this information again, so why do I need to learn it? Well, I mean, I have heard that argument, and I would say that if you're ever going to read an article on the Internet or ever going to watch a news story or read uh, something in the newspaper, uh, you're going to use this. Because there are so many times in life, whether it's something like math, you know, in various jobs where you're using math, science, even understanding the weather reports and such, you need to know a little bit about science in order, in order to do those things. And when you have conversations with people, do you want to be informed and have informed opinions about a topic? Or do you want to be known as the guy who just sort of shoots off his mouth and doesn't really know anything? If you want to be known as someone who's informed, then it makes sense to learn these things. And so the immediate application isn't always apparent, but long term, the more you know, and the more that you know at an early age, the more it benefits you when you grow up. We've got a few seconds left. I'm sure that the advocates for this so-called 21st century uh, learning would, would not disagree that we have to learn some things. Right? We have to learn the basic language and basic mathematics and, and that sort of thing to, to just to get along in life. So where, where do you start to part company with them? Well, I part company with them when they talk about the process of learning as their primary focus. And so when you see the 21st century learning people talking about, you know, we need to focus on critical thinking and creativity and communication and collaboration, that really is code for we're going to teach these skills in a generic way, encouraging students to largely discover things themselves with the teacher as a guide on the side. That's really code for that. And you, if you don't have a focused effort to make sure the content knowledge is being covered in a direct way, it's not going to happen, or at least it won't happen in the way that it should. Michael Zweigster, thanks very much. For well, this. thank you very much, Jeff. If you want to read, and I'm, I'm sure many of you will want to read this paper, it'll be on the Frontier Center website. Just check it out there, and you can read it from top to bottom. It's uh, it's a really good read, and for those of you with enough content knowledge in the English language and the idea of education, you'll be able to get through it. If you can't get through it, maybe it's because your system lets you down. So, <laughs> anyway, Michael, great to have you here. Thanks very much for this and, and making us think critically about this. Thank you, Jeff.